Here we go, here we go. Almighty God, Almighty God, who sets your Son over the works of, of your hands so that even the winds and the sea obey him, we beg you now give power to your word that your kingdom grows and increases among us and all creation is delivered into the glorious liberty of your children. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Good to see you. Man, you're boisterous this morning. Guess good. Way to bring the energy. That's very, very nice. Uh, people need blood. Don't use your blood. Give your blood. I think that's what you're supposed to say. So this is, um, we'll be happy to relieve you of your blood right here on the 17th of January, February 2018. Look how good I am. I got the year right. On the 17th of February, between 8 and noon, we'd be happy to tap you for a pint or so. So um, Emily Stellwagen is the one who always takes care of this. It's a nice thing. I think you might get a free cookie, maybe a glass of orange juice if you do that. So uh, right here on a Saturday morning, women's retreat, uh, good sign up. There's 80 signed up. So there's a woman coming uh, from, from um, Concordia University and... <laughs> Uh, you know, we slave over these who trying to figure out who will challenge you, right? And then somebody said to us, hey, it doesn't matter who you bring in. I'm just going to see my friends. I'm like, it's hard for me to think this way. So uh, anyway, come along, come along. There's about six rooms. There's about six rooms still available. So this is how it works. We do the math. We buy a block of rooms. That means you and all your friends from all over Wheaton get uh, free breakfast in the morning. So frankly, remember, even if, you don't, even, even if you don't stay, dinner is free and the buffet in the morning at the Hilton is free. It's actually a very nice buffet. So, you know, if I were you, I'd invite 10 of your friends and tell them you're buying them breakfast. That's what I would do because they just keep bringing it and they never count noses. You just go to the St. John room and it's all going to work out for you, okay? So there'll be dinner. It's at the Hilton and Lyle this year. So we've got about six rooms. We'd love to uh, have you stay overnight, especially if you stay up late and talk about, you know, the fine points of the universe after a couple of pops. Do not drive. Stay at the hotel, okay? All right, good. Um, is Mrs. Nelson here this morning? She is somewhere. How about Mrs. Bukes? I'm just curious what it's like to be married to geniuses. Is it hard for you? I mean, I, I, go, to the, you know, I go to this party, and they're like, you know, Pastor Nelson is the greatest. He tells my kids to sit on the bed and say that have devotion. So every night they go up and they sit on the bed and have devotion. How does he do that? I'm like, I don't know, magic? Uh, and then the sermon this morning, right? I mean, that was like a, that's a bit of genius right there, which is you don't come to church for you. You come to church for me, and don't you forget about it, right? It was just, it was a, there was a, such a lot of information jammed into such a small uh, you know, such a, such a small area, but very so clearly. You know, just, those guys are fabulous. So, all right, that's good. Uh, you know, Carol Tonys, I can always count on you, Carol Tonys, to be, to, to be nice to me. See, that's the old school teacher in you there, Carol. Way to go. Your tuition wasn't wasted. And your grandfather was a fine man, too. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> You know, moving on, I think moving on, Uh, uh, the house meetings have been fabulous. If you haven't, the house parties, which, although one of the wives said, this sounds suspiciously like a Tupperware party. No, this is the house party. This is, think, uh, 
you know, back in your, that tall hair. You remember. So um, maybe you don't remember. So here's the thing. If you haven't been invited to one yet, you should probably have an invitation by now. If you thought, hey, maybe I won't go, I just want to tell you, they've been fabulous. I think I've done four, and the other guys have done a similar number. So it's been very, very nice. Please, please um, come along and, and just spend a couple hours with your friends. Uh, it's just it's been it's been good for us, and I hope it's been good for you too. And the hosts have been fabulous. So please, please come along. Find a spot. If you please, you know, not along. Play along. It'll be good for you. We're going to give money to St. Matthew Soup Kitchen because they need money. They need money. They always need money. So that's good. You can do better than the feed poor people. Come on. Uh, beyond that. What, anything else that I forget? Anybody who asked me to say something? Give your blood. Go to the women's retreat. Give some money for food. Give Pastor Nelson a kiss on the cheek. Give Pastor Bukes a hug. And do we forget anything else? Everything else okay? Men's retreat is coming up, right? Um, I think, I don't, I don't know if men sign up for anything or not. Or, is anybody signed up for the men's retreat? How many? We got a bunch of, I don't know. Is it, we doing Okay. All right, good. Sign up for the men's retreat. It's a whole week later, so it's not really in our consciousness, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the, you know, one of the things that makes me feel old is that I write you long letters, long love letters, right? And I send them to you, and then I go, I do, I, the under thirties at the house parties are like, "Did you read the letter I sent you?" And they're looking at me like, "Letter?" And I'm like, you know, I work days on this. I love you. I send you a letter. Letter? Where was the letter? In the out- Oh, we don't use our envelopes. We give electronically. I know you give electronic. But there's a letter for you, okay? <laughs> Read your letters. I'm already on number two toward number three. But anyway, so part of what I did this morning is I can't read this whole thing to you. But I think one of the most difficult things when we do this, it's so interesting, the responses to this. There is... For some folks, there's a little bit of suspicion, like this can't really be true. But, I mean, this is really true. We're just doing this to kind of have some fun. And I'm more than ever convinced you need to do this about every five years because there's enough turnover in people and there's enough maturity in how people grow and circumstances change and people pay attention at different times. You just have to kind of think about it. Is this normal? I just assure you everything is fine. This is so, it's so different because it's not about a crisis. It's just about, you know, kind of managing our life together and, you know, being grown-ups. It's, it's all it is. But one of the hardest things, I think, is this, uh, and I, I realize I'm, you know, I press this hard, this notion of a 10% number. And I think it's, the reason it's hard is that people dodge around it or don't say it at all. And so then when we start to say it and we sort of say it and stick to it, then people are like, what in the heck, you know? But I've given you lots of rationale, like, you know, in the New Testament, you know, in the Old Testament, people gave from 0 to 10%. After Jesus came, you weren't free. People gave from 10% to 100%. Those are the stories, right? Everybody does, you know, the, the number goes up to, say, 100%. Now, here's the thing. I think the hardest thing is to talk about a number, 10%, and then something for the poor, St. Matthew Soup Kitchen. I think the hardest thing is to talk about that number and then also to talk mercifully about it. To talk about it as a good thing, as a holy thing, as a happy thing, and not as, you know, your pastor's yelling at you all the time or trying to guilt you into something. And if that clicks for you, when that clicks for you, if that clicks for you, the whole world will make a different kind of sense, okay? So in this, this is, um, and this is probably as most, the, the most I've ever written on it is this letter that came with your batch of envelopes a couple of days ago. It's the same letter I printed here. And part of it is, this is so fundamental, 
If you get these couple of things, everything will fall into place. If you don't get them, you'll just think it's always crazy talk. Okay? So just look at this. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I just want to, I'm going to just lead you through this. So this, the one that says extraordinary, okay? The first thing you need to figure out is that when you love people, you do good things. Mrs. Bukes, we talked about your husband and how lucky you were before. Nice to see you. <laughs> Tupperware party, what are you talking about? So uh, to love is to do good. So if you love people, you do good things to them. This is the first couple of paragraphs, right? So Jesus loves you and he does good to you. And then your response is, hey, I love you back. Simple stuff, right? This is the way relationships work. People love you and you trust them and you love them back, okay? The next thing, and this is critical, if you don't get this thing, nothing will ever make sense. You're a manager and not an owner. You don't own one thing in your life. Everything you have has been given from the time you popped out of your mommy's tummy to, you know, right today, every last thing you've been given. Of course you've earned things, and of course you've worked hard, and of course you're bright. By the way, all those things were gifts because I can introduce you to people who also worked hard but don't have your IQs and didn't have the advantages you have and um, are fine people, but, you know, the Lord has trusted us with so much. We are kind of this weird slice of the world where the, we just have a lot, and so, you know, love means doing good to other people. At the top of the second page, so I just flipped the page, okay, where it says good management, right? And you've heard this a thousand times. You know, good management means if you get ten bucks, you can keep nine, minus a little change for the poor, Right? So the ordinary thing you do is, you know, God gives you, God gives you 10 bucks and you can keep nine, right? And you, you send the, a buck back to do some good through the church. Now, here's the thing. I'm at the paragraph, um, at the third paragraph. This is a holy thing. This is a good thing. And you don't want to be free of this. This whole notion, and this is the worst argument that pastors use for not talking about money is, we're not under the law, we're under the gospel, so we're free, which I always then, I just start to ask them. So when you're free, is what's a good number? Is 3% a good number? 2%? Can your number be zero if you're free? Right? If you love your wife, but you never tell her, does that work for you? Right? If you have friends, but you never see them, are they really your friends? Right? Love you, love you back. Love you, love you back. Boom, 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 boom. And since we're not very good at that, you know, we're not very good at picking numbers. Jesus picks a number. It's a good number. He used the number. Jesus gave 10%. Jesus gave alms, right? But now this is the hard part, right? The practical nature of this. And what happens is we have all kinds of people wander into the church. We have people who have done this their whole life, and it's just like falling off a lot. I'm always stunned. About every three years, somebody moves into the, into the congregation, and they turn out to be like, you know, one of the top givers, and I always want to meet those people, and I always will say, how did this happen, right? And usually it's like, yeah, I grew up this way. This is what we always did, and the Lord's blessed us, and here you go. I mean, they just get it from forever. But for most people, they've either never heard it because their pastors didn't talk about it, or they never heard it because they're a new Christian, or they're never heard it in a way that it's about love and not about force. So this is the really important thing. I want to say two things about how you put mercy and 10% together, just two things. One is... One is you struggle toward it rather than against it. And the second thing is you may be the person or you may have the person in your own house who needs care, and so 10% becomes a non-issue for you. Okay? 
So I want to take those two things one after another. Wherever you are, start there. I think, you know, wherever you happen to be, just start there. Like Mark 10 in the distance, think about giving some number, you know, pick a number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, pick a number and give a little bit of something to the poor. When you see them on the street corner, you see the Red Salvation Army kettle, or we do something here. And here, this is really important for us. Please, when you get a pledge card in your next envelopes, which you all will open, right? Sign it up and at the very least, give a buck. If you're just going to work on your ordinary giving. So we've had families who have said to us this year, we're going to go to 10%, but we can't then give anything to the capital campaign. That's completely fine. That's what we want. The capital campaign is an extra for fun. We can have more nice things. We can fix more things. We can do more things. We can give more away. We can, you know, but the first thing is, the first thing is 10%, just start walking toward it. Rearrange your life. It's going to take you some time. You know, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you bought too much house, or maybe you, you know, you're, you never thought about saving for your future or for college or for retirement. You know, may, I guess I'd say to you, kind of just think about money in a mature, grown-up way and start walking toward 10%. It doesn't mean you can't plan the capital campaign. Like you, it doesn't, this is not the rule. The rule is not you have to give 10% and only then can you give the capital campaign. No, the rule is you've got to pick a number. You've got to put the struggle in. You've got to put the discipline in. You've got to pick a number. Pick a number. Talk to your wife. Talk to your husband. You know, figure it out. This is where we're going. If you pick 4% as your number and you start walking toward it, then give a little to the capital campaign too because like Pastor Buke said in the sermon today, we're all in it together, right? That's the, that's the easier thing to understand because I've said that to you a ton. But I, wanna, I just want you to turn, turn the page then, okay? So this would be the last page. <clears throat> The second, um, that's all right. There's somebody on top of it. We got parrots. This is great, man. Get, see, Gretchen Shields, she has a kid in each hand, and she's walking down to see who's crying. I'm like, I want Gretchen to live at my house. This is, this is, um, so look at this. The second practical circumstance is much more personal and immediate. Some of you have a parent who is failing, a child who needs extra care, or a sibling who'd be in jeopardy without your support. You don't really need to know the details. I've heard the details a thousand times. They're real details, right? And what we don't want to do is have a congregation where we say to people, you're going to join the congregation, you can give us 10%, no matter what, that's the law, either, you know, either play along or you're out. No, no. This is, this is what we're all trying to do, but you may have a special circumstance, and many people do, Okay. In some cases, this responsibility is so taxing that you really truly don't have 10% to give. That happens, okay. It also may be that, here you go, you yourself are sick, poor, in need of alms. Perfect. That's what the manna fund is for. That's why um, you know, we talk about this out loud. That's why very few people know what it, people give. We don't publish the giving because if we publish the giving, we'd have to publish the circumstance. We'd have to say, that guy over there is a tightwad, and this guy over here has a mother with Alzheimer's, right? It'd be very hard to, you know, figure that out. What? Yeah, <laughs> I pointed over here. Be careful back there, okay? <laughs> so here, you know, so here's what I want to say to you. You know, relax, right? And this is why the house meetings, are, the house bars are fun. Kind of the house meetings are like, some people early on kind of thought, you know, we're going to dun you for money. 
believe me, that is not, I'm not that guy. I just, I'm not interested in it. You, you're grown-ups, right? Um, but, but, you know, relax, rejoice. Jesus is quite clear, and I gave you the text, you should care for your family. More in joyfully taking up this responsibility, you're doing Jesus' good work. So, and this is really important, the law is your ally and not your enemy. The law is a holy thing. The law is a good thing. 10% is your ally, right? You're not to be condemned, but praised for doing some good. If you have a child or a spouse or a sister or a husband or, that needs care, care for them for goodness sakes, right? We get it. Your life is a stir. Nobody's perfect. And you know what? Nobody has a perfect life. And everybody has different opportunities at different times. And some of you make a lot of money, and you're really good at giving money. Fabulous. Some of you make a lot of money, and you're no good at giving money. Get busy. Some of you make a little bit of money, and you're... I actually have had a couple of encounters, and I still am bouncing around in my head where I think to people... I've actually, I have some people in my head where I think they should probably give less to St. John. Right? And some of you, are, you know, don't have any money and you don't know where your next meal is coming from. That happens even in this congregation. And you've got to get to us and we're going to help you with that. Okay? Because there's money available for our members for that kind of stuff. But all those things are love, 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 love. All those things are figure it out. Here we go. Let's go. We're all in together. And it's not under the finger-wagging, yelly pastor or kind of we're done in you for money. Well, this is just you know, the old thing I've said to you a thousand times. We talk about money so we don't have to talk about money. About every five years, we talk about money, and then we, don't, we forget about it, right? Because it all works out. So it's all good. The only fly in the ointment is it's easy to deceive ourselves, right? I mean, it's easy for me to tell myself, oh, I'm a poor pastor, and I, you know, all that time in school. I, I have a story to tell. Well, I was just, well, I, I can just remember in my days when I, you know, we would go home to family dinners, <clears throat> and somebody would sit next to I'd be careful. I know. Somebody would say next to Kirby. How how old is he now? Is he thirty-three or thirty-four? That PhD thing, how long do you how long do you think that'll last? Do you think he'll probably ever get a job? So I know what this is like, okay? I'm not saying I'm just saying, right? So I'm, I'm I get it, you know, I get it. So you know, you, so you can say to yourself, oh poor me, blah blah. And we, we're easy at deceiving ourselves. So this, and this is why you have friends and pastors. You work it out with your friends and your pastors. You know, I'm your faithful friends, right? Go to somebody who you know is good at this, who's got some wisdom. Find somebody who's, who sort of gets it. That what? God gives us everything. We give something back. That's our normal course. Work toward that, please. And when you do, things are fabulous. And by the way, um, because everything is in mercy... We're all going to have circumstances in our lives where things go up and down, and sometimes that's really going to pinch us. And sometimes, you know, if you have a spouse who has a stroke or something and, you know, all things, you know, there's, you know, it's going to be expensive and we get it and how can we help and figure it out. But that's life together, right? This is life together. And you do it mercifully and you do it happily. The whole point is just to be honest. Just have this honest discernment about that God owns everything and gives you a lot and that fluctuates up and down. You do the best you can. And when we're all in it together, it's going to be okay, right? Make sense? So what I don't want you to hear and ever hear is for us kind of done in you. You know, we're not that guy. It's one of the reasons we don't hire consultants. 
One is because we don't want to pay him seven or eighty thousand dollars because we think we can do it on our own, and two is there's always the push to kind of dun you, to kind of buttonhole you. I'm somebody. I think I told you this story last time. Somebody told me at a home meeting. They were once at a home meeting where the pastor stood in front of the door and nobody went home until they handed him a pledge card. Yeah, that's not us. So uh, you know, I'm, that, that's not me. Okay. But what I, what I do want to do is live in this fabulous place together. And what I would love to do is more of the stuff like's on the screen. By the way, if you have hooligan kids who have not yet given that 50 bucks to the poor, I know where you live, okay? So we gave away $6,000. I got 3250 back. Let's go. It's almost Ash Wednesday. Send me a picture, okay? But it is fun, the stuff that's been done. All right, make sense? Please go to a house party. You get a chance to actually, I, these are scheduled for one hours. They've all lasted two and a half to three and a half hours because people have wanted to stay and talk to each other and to the pastors. It's been, been long nights, but really, really good work. So if you don't be afraid. Come to one. It's a blast, and um, you meet a lot of nice people. Question about any of that? But this whole notion of how you put 10% together in mercy and love together, it's un- unbelievably important for you to, to see that, and me too. Okay? All right, ready? Turn the page. Your statistics. Now, what I've learned in giving you these is less is more, okay? Less is more. Steve and Nyquist, we, were, we needed somebody to check our, you know, we said Nyquist should look at this and make sure that it's right, but I just went with it because I didn't see you. So my only comment here is blue is good. This is, I'm, I'm looking to you for affirmation here. Blue is good, right? Yes. To the right is good, right? You're moving your life to the right. So, I mean, you can kind of see this. This is the giving um, for the past two years at St. John. So this is before, not this year, 18. This is pre-capital campaign, everything. This should console, you know, if you're suspicious about things are falling apart and that's the reason we're doing it. Actually, no. 16 is the red and 17 is the blue. Basically, what you see is things are moving to the right. Now, I took the scale out of the bottom because I didn't want you figuring out where your friends were, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's no fun, Right? But, but the, the point is, and you shouldn't feel like when it trails off to the right, that just means that nobody sold their house and gave us their business, okay? At some point, there's an end to what people can do. But the good news is, is that you see the, the line moving to the right, right? So you have more people um, giving a bit more. So it's a very happy kind of graph. Make sense? Questions? No, it doesn't make sense? That's right. Right. So look at look at where about where seventy five is. Okay. Right. Look about where seventy five is. Yeah, you got more people giving more. They're moving to the right. The count of people giving. The count of people giving. Imagine the dollar. Put five dollars right in the middle. Put ten dollars on the end. Put zero here. Yeah, I don't want to tell you too much. This is a little like sex ed. You only need, you only need to know what you need to know, okay? And it gets sticky at some point. But here's the thing. Okay, so if you, wanna, if, you want the, if you want your quad, you know, if you want to, like, just put a zero at one end, at the first end, put a five in the middle and a ten. It's not right, but it'll at least give you the notion. So people who gave, think about it this way. People who gave $5 last year are given $6 this year. That's fabulous, right? And easy, 
Tape it to your mirror, look at it in the morning, recite this over and over, blue is good, blue is good, okay? Ah, uh, yeah, okay, well, fortunately, none of you are taking the AP stat test soon, so, uh, but if you are, see the Callahers, because they can help you brush this up, okay? All right, then the last thing, um, we're just kind of keeping projects Kind of, right, so we did, what did we talk about? We talked about new speakers. Then what did we talk about last time? Anybody remember? Carpet, oh yeah, the carpet, right. I told one of my house parties, I said, you know, one of, the, one of our most embarrassing moments as parents are, was we were in the Philadelphia airport flying back from the East Coast. There was about two, our plane was delayed. Younger. Really younger than two? We're bad parents. So, um, you know, but this is the thing where you're delayed like six hours and everybody's kind of sitting on the floor going, you know, at some point, if you've had a delayed flight, you get reduced to, you know, you're lying on the floor where there's a plug for your phone, right? That's all that. So we're talking and blah, blah, blah. And we look over and Claire, so she's under two, Claire is on her hands and knees licking the carpet in the Philadelphia airport. Yeah, no. And we're looking at each other like, we can't believe that the Lord actually let us have children because we're savages. We are savages. We have no, I don't know. We're horrible people. That's what I always think of when I go downstairs and I see that carpet. I'm like, Ooh, I wonder if any kid's been licking that carpet. So we probably need to replace that. The, the next thing, and this is, you know, this is, this is going to be the same story in here, which is this was a great idea 50 years ago when they put it in. The problem is it can't be replaced. You can see, you know, you can't get the tiles and the thing is steel. Basically, you need to blow the ceilings up. It's true for the ceiling just below us in the comments. One of the things we want to do is we got to tear that grid down, change the tiles out, put new tiles up, and then get, we want to get dimmable lights down there, LEDs that will allow that. More and more that's being used for parties and birthday parties and receptions and dinners and stuff like that. So we want to be able to make that space a little warmer downstairs. And at some point, you know, we just have to fix it because otherwise the ceiling looks like it looks like this. We can't, you can't get those tiles and you can't stick them in anymore. I'm sure it was a great idea then, but not so good now. So, Yes, sir? The lights downstairs, are they incandescent? I think they're fluorescent right below us. Yeah. The reason I'm wondering is I was recently shopping for my for uh, LED lights. Yeah. And I noticed that when you buy the curlicue bulbs, which is basically a fluorescent bulb, yeah. you're saving 10% from the cost of the incandescent. But if you get LEDs, you're using 10% of what you were looking before. Hey, man, do you understand the blue line on that previous graph? <laughs> yeah, it should over the long run save us money. There are smart guys who, who do the math on the bulbs, but um, it is it has been... Uh, we have noticed a little bit of savings as we move to LEDs. We've got LEDs also kind of all around the building in the new spots. All right, questions about anything? Pastor, how old is this building? 50... 55, 56 years? Yeah, this part is 37 years. That part is um, 50, 57 years. 57 over here, and then this was added later. Yeah, the church of the old days are 37 years old. This is 37 years old from that wall. So I'm trying to, you know, I was thinking this one. I'm trying to screw up the courage. John and I have 
you know, when we, we didn't really finish the sanctuary, so John and I have been meeting with a place downtown to redo it, and they've, we've met a couple of times, and they've, uh, just Friday, late Friday, they sent us a, uh, like, this could be your sanctuary thing, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether I'm brave enough to show it to you or not, but maybe next week if we're all in a good mood. So we'll see what happens, okay? All right, all good? Yeah, so um, we should do a little bit. I feel bad about this in one sense. On the other hand, um, we're going to talk about this now, so we don't have to talk about it later. This all needs to be jammed in before Ash Wednesday, and we've got to get everybody on the same page. And frankly, it's going to be great, and then we're going to figure it out, and then we're going to do whatever we do. But it's been a startlingly good, uh, a happy experience. So anyway, try to play along if you can. All right, spin open to John 5. This is such an interesting story. So this is where we've been. Jesus bumped into these different people, and he's engaged them in different ways. And one of the things that we can learn from Jesus is how he engages people. But almost always, the way that Jesus engages people is very mercifully. You have occasionally the, time, the times when he tips over the tables, John 2, in the temple, because people have turned, you know, they've turned the temple into a Sam's Club. Or, you know, he, you have the times where people just tell him he's a liar and kind of threaten to kill him. Sometimes he just sort of says, you know, see at the cross. But sometimes he says, well, you should be smarter than this because you're a teacher of the law. But for normal people like us, he bumps into us and sizes us up and is very gentle in how he cares for people. And we've seen this from when Jesus starts and he picks up right after John the baptizer, and in humility he's baptized, not because he needs baptism, but because we need him to be baptized, to be in solidarity with us, to how he treats his mother, right? To last week we saw how he treats a father with an ill um, child, and there's nothing, I mean, nothing worse. That's the, that's, the, that's the acid test for whether things hold up when your kids are sick or when they're injured, that's the, or when a child dies. That's the, and you remember how one of the things I've learned, you know, my, my word for, for this month is actively dying. I've had a couple of people who've been in hospice, friends here in different places, and this new term that's come up, actively dying. Like the person is actively dying as opposed to kind of just passively. And, you know, that term came to mind last week when this is what the man says, the centurion says to Jesus, my son's actively dying. That's how the verb works. It's like he's beginning the process of dying. He's shutting down, Right. And then you had this fascinating thing where it was a replay of Cana. Remember, Mary says to Cana, do whatever he tells you. That was the first story at Cana, John 2. Then in John 4, he comes home again to Cana, and he says to the man, go home, your son will be well. And the man does whatever Jesus tells him. He goes home, and on the way, kind of halfway there, he meets the servants. And the man has a word but not a sign, and the servants have a sign but not a word. So the man shows up, and he says, What's happening? And the servant showed up and said, you'll never believe what's happening. So he's got Jesus said he'd be okay. And he said, I don't know what Jesus said, but he's okay. And then he said, what time did that happen? And they both look at their Apple watches and they go, same time. That's exactly what happened, right? So now you have a similar kind of thing this week, although Jesus is going to stretch it a little bit. One is, it's not that he does it for somebody else. So I you know, pray for my kids. I'm sure you pray for your kids. You pray for your parents, your families. You pray for somebody else, but this is a man who's very much lost to himself. And we just sort of, we'll just sort of read this story, and I can 
kind of gloss it for you a little bit, and then we can just think about how wonderful it is that Jesus cares for this guy. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of the world for Jews, and you always go up. And there were three great feasts. There was um, the Feast of Booths, there was the Passover, and the Feast of Weeks. And so if you were an able, faithful, adult, male, Jew, you would, for these three festivals, um, go up to Jerusalem. It's not a long way. You know, I remember when I studied in Israel for the summer, you know, jets would fly over, and they're like, yet, why are there so many jets in the air? We have to remember that an F-16 can fly you know, border to border in Israel in under 30 seconds, right? It's not a, it's not a big area. So you can move around, you know, five or six days, seven days, you're walking up and you get there. Okay. So um, Jesus is going, there's a feast and Jesus is observant. Jesus keeps the law. Jesus tithes. Jesus goes to church. Jesus keeps the traditions, keeps the festival. Now there is in Jerusalem, um, by the Sheep Gate, and now I just sort of pause. You who went to Israel with us have seen this spot. I don't know if you remember, but this is a solid spot in um, this is a solid spot in Jerusalem. This is at St. Anne's Church. You would remember it because we walked to a ledge and we looked down, probably 80 feet, and the church is below, and there are also two pools that basically look like Olympic-sized swimming pools. And this is in a place where a couple of things happen. There's a spring there so that bubbles up from time to time, so there's water. It's also downhill from much of Jerusalem, so the water runs down the hill. And you remember that they trapped water in cisterns, so they would hollow out a place, or maybe they'd find a natural cave, and they would plaster the inside so it wouldn't leak, and they would catch water. And, of course, it would get um, a little slimy, and, and, but when your choice is between kind of green slimy water and no water, you're in. So... Uh, you, and by the Sheep's Gate, you remember that this is in, mentioned in Nehemiah when they're rebuilding the wall. They talk about how this wall is where the sacrificial animals come in for the temple. Well, you know, all your bells should be going off because, you know, you should hear John the Baptizer two block, two block, two chapters back saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, like the Lamb of God, right? The sacrificial lamb. You should hear Jesus cleansing the temple and, and, you know, turning things over and making things right. Well, and you should hear about Jesus being, when he says in John 10, he's going to say, I'm the door for the sheep, right? So there's all these things. John's gospel, you remember, is like a tornado. It swirls around. You say, he says things two or three or four times. That's how, that's why when we say Psalm sometime and you say, you know, Jerusalem is a glorious place. Isn't Jerusalem a glorious place? You're like, hey, we just said that. Let's move on. Well, no, the, in, 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 in Hebrew, you say things a couple of times in a row as a refrain to show how important it is. So you get this thing where Jesus comes to this gate, and you've already had him identified as both a sheep and a shepherd, and he will be identified as a door. And so, you know, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? This is, you got things all pointing together. And besides that, Bethesda, and there's different ways this can be taken, you know, house of things flowing or house, but it's probably house of mercy, right? Remember Bethlehem, Beth is house, Beth, house of bread, like Beth, Bethesda, house of mercy. So this is meant to be a place where mercy is dispensed. And that seems to make sense because what you have here is 
are these two great pools and then this great tradition that from time to time an angel disturbs the water so the, world, the water bounces around a little bit and the first one in gets healed. Right? Now just to brighten this up for you a little bit, and there's also this notion of five porticos, which through the church have always been sort of interpreted as the five books of Moses. That's pushing the text hard. But the point is, is that everything is swirling around this place of mercy that has to do with being saved and a savior and a healer and a sheep and a sacrifice. You know, you can read a text on so many levels and so many things are happening in the story and you kind of say, what's going on? And people are going to ask what's going on. So here it is. Um, This is point two. This reservoir is actually mentioned in the Copper Scroll, the famous Copper Scroll from Qumran. Mentions this, and interestingly, it mentions it in the dual form. So we just have singular and plural. We have one and a lot in English, but in some of the Semitic languages or other languages, you have singular, one, dual, two, like two horses pulling a carriage or two people being married and made one. Or a lot. Well, it's interesting. It talks about this pool at Bethesda in the duel, which means there were two of them. Well, lo and behold, they dig down and they find by St. Anne's Church these two things. You can go see them today. And it's one of those spots. You remember if you've been in Israel, there are places where you kind of go, yeah, this is probably not the upper room where the first Holy Supper was celebrated, but nice try. But there are other places where you go, yeah, I mean, you can't really move this around very easily. So... You get this reservoir, and you get this spring, and you've had all this talk about Jesus and water and salvation and sacrifice, and you're only five chapters in, right? So I'm turning the page, and um, I'm just above point number three, where I, what, what I want you to see now, or what John wants you to see, is when you come to this pool, this isn't a separate story, this is the same story. That salvation is now in the flesh of Jesus. So it started by saying, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us full of grace and truth. Now what you've seen in every story is that Jesus comes to people full of grace and truth. You're the body of Christ. When you go into the world, you should be full of grace and truth. Somebody wrote me, I get all kinds of things. Such an interesting... I met with seven different pastors last week who called me and wanted help with their congregations. It's like, and I know the other guys are doing the same thing. And I got three or four emails where people said, can you analyze this? What's going on in this article? Why, what's, what, what is this? You know, the key is the same for everybody. It's that the flesh of Jesus bears truth. One of them was about how, I don't know if you saw, there's a pretty, a pretty uh, taught article about evangelical support for the president and sort of and kind of kind of made some different points about how other presidents were supported and what things were happening and these kinds of things and um, you know just somebody sent me this and said you know I, I, what's the analysis on this how does this work right I mean the bottom line is that Jesus is who he is and he lives out particular virtues and grace and truth are chief among them and they're expressed in love. And what you're supposed to see in each one of these situations is that Jesus comes in love and expresses grace and truth. You're supposed to see that in the flesh of Jesus. He's moving around the countryside delivering grace and truth. Now, why is that important? Because he's going to everybody. He's going to Judea. He's going to Cana. He's going to Galilee. He's going across the river, right, to to the Decapolis, which is considered to be demon-infested and where the Romans are in charge. He's going south down to the wilderness where John John the baptizer was. That'll be the first 
text in Lent. There's a, when you go, there's a, and you, you who were there, you remember there was an old monastery clear up on the top? Do you remember that? Right across the ridge, it only had about 50 people left in it at the spot where the mountain where Jesus was to him. You know, it's a horrible, you know, desolate place. Well, what's the point? The point is that Jesus is moving around, going to everybody, but bringing the same thing. What's the point for you? You're supposed to move around through the world, go in all sorts of places, and bring in the same thing. And let me just say to you, if all you bring is judgment and anger and trouble, right, people will not want to know you. And that's, that is the reputation of Christians largely in the world, and we haven't helped ourselves in so many ways. I can't control that, right? I can't even control you. I can't even control you. So here's the thing. <laughs> well, at least the last one's true. So here's the thing. I can only, you know, but in this two square blocks, right, in this two square blocks, I'm kind of begging you, like, let's all be this kind of person, Right? So, um, kind of just, okay, so to the text then. So it's near Bethsaida. It has five porticos. In these, a multitude of invalids, blind, and paralyzed lie. One man was there. I'm I'm in 5, verse 5, John 5, verse 5. One man was there who'd been ill for 38 years. There's a famous episode in the Old Testament where Israel struggled in the wilderness because they're a bunch of damn sinners, always rebelling us, doing what they want for, well, guess what, 38 years. How about that? So basically what you're supposed to hear is, and you can stretch that or not stretch that. It doesn't make any difference. I think it's very interesting, just like I think the fact that he's the Lamb of God at the Sheep Gate is very interesting. I just think it's very interesting, right? So what Jesus says to the guy is, what you're supposed to see in this guy, he's hopeless, Right? He's like, he's like Israel in the wilderness. But his hopelessness goes, on, goes beyond the fact that he apparently can't walk and he lies on this mat all day. And when you hear mat, you should think about you know, the kind of things that people in this congregation make for the homeless, the plastic mat that just keeps them, doesn't get wet, but just gets them up off the ground. This isn't some fabulous couch where he's being carried around by, rich, by servants, right? Now, this is a guy kind of grimy on the ground for 38 years. So that, you have to have all of that for the context. And you also have to think about what Jesus is saying. Now, Jesus, this guy gets a bad rap a lot of times in, in history. And Jesus does, too. Because it kind of almost sounds like Jesus is taunting him. Hey, you want to be healed? <laughs> you know, if I was, and the guy's like, what are you, a moron? I've been here 38 years, right? But I'm old now, and I can't get there first. You, you know, and, and, and in some of the early church fathers, they're like, this guy's a horrible guy because as soon as Jesus helps him, he goes and betrays him. To the, who killed you? And the guy's like, yeah, it was Jesus, that guy over there. It's like, this guy has... So both Jesus and this guy get a bad rap sometime in this thing. But this is what the conversation really says. Hey, would you um, like to be recreated? Right? Or, or it's, it's like this. How about I fix everything for you? Right? See, the Greek word is... Do you want to be made, it's not just healthy, it's do you want to be made whole? So now you should be thinking to yourself, water and recreation and baptism and Nicodemus, we heard from him, and you get dunked with the name and washed up and everything. So, and he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and we've already seen that he can do miracles, he turned the water into wine. And by the way, if you can make a kid who's actively dying come back, then making a guy who can't walk, walk isn't that big a deal. But it's the bundle. 
So it isn't Jesus just saying to the guy, how'd you like to be healed? That's, a, that's a kind of a smarty pants question. That's not, that's not right. No, the text says, hey, how'd you like to have everything fixed? How'd you like to be made whole? How'd you like to be recreated? Holy cow, is it 10 till? Are we having church at 11? Okay. Wow. Uh, the vicar didn't turn those lights on. It's his fault. I can't see the clock. So, so anyway, this is so, so I mean, I can, I can sort of just give you this much and we can come back to this. The point of this is, is that Jesus comes and he, he offers himself to this guy in the flesh. He basically says to the guy, now you can imagine yourself saying this, I'd like to do everything I can for you. That's the, that's, that's the offer. I'd like to do everything I can for you. I mean, that's a gorgeous offer. And this is how you should engage the world. I would like to do everything I can for you. That's how you think about this. This is how you should think about the tithing. This is how you should think about the blue line. You know, this is how you should think about, you should think about everything this way. I'd like to do everything. It's the sermon this morning, right? I mean, I'd like to do everything I can for you because we're all in it together. But all in it together goes beyond our two blocks. I'd like to do everything I can for you whoever you happen to be, because Jesus keeps keeps moving around. It's fabulous, right? This fabulous story about Jesus who comes and brings grace and truth to everybody. That's that's what's going on here. You can imagine how the story ends, how Jesus gets punked up for it. We'll do it a little bit next week, and um, we will see what happens. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, thanks. Love you. See you soon. Go to a home meeting, a home party, a Tupperware party. Go to those.